you ready to dive into the powerful truth that the kingdom of heaven has for us? Let's join our host, Ruth Hendrickson, for Real Truth with Ruth as we dive into the Word of God. Have you ever thought that without worship you'll wither? So there's a question here. Am I going to wither or am I going to worship? I don't know about you, but I need to worship. So here's, here's one of those things, a question for you. Have you ever had one of those seasons when you're in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, and your praise is stolen? We have to understand that the demonic has an ongoing assignment to steal our praise. Every chance they get, they want to steal the praise because they understand more than we do the power of praise. So they're going to go to great lengths also, not only to steal our praise, but to also undermine our testimony. And so we all need these but God moments in our lives where God just breaks in and gets our feet firmly planted where they need to be again. So in the Bible, King David really intrigues me. And so we're going to do my summary of 2 Samuel verses or chapters 11 and 12, because to try to read the whole thing, okay, that would be a little too much for right now. But here's the thing. King David, you know, he was human. He was, a, he was just like us. And with that, he could make right decisions, and he made many right, wonderful decisions. And he also made quite a number of wrong decisions. Can you relate? I sure can. So one of the things that we learn as we journey with David is that there was a time of the year, a season, when kings went off to war. And apparently this that year, David didn't feel like a war, so he sends his army off, but he stays home. And so one of the things that we have to be really careful of is that we're, we're, we are where God wants us to be for any given season. And that was a mistake he made because he stayed home. And quite often, we'll convince ourselves that home, the comforts of home, that that's a safe place to be. But quite honestly, when we really look at it, the only safe place to be is where God has called us to be for that time and for that moment. So for David in that season, his safe place would have been on the battlefield, not at home. So we have to, again, a, a key point is that, Lord, in this season, where am I to be? Because the only safe place for me is where you want me to be. Because it is in that place that I'm under your protection, under the shadow of your wings. So we know that David's schedule is king. It should have been cleared for war. That's where he was supposed to be. So he probably had too much time on his hands. We do know his focus was in the wrong place. Because, again, he was supposed to be at war, not at home. So he lays down, takes a nap goes for a wander on the roof. However, his eyes did a little more wandering and his mind begins to get tempted and he begins to follow that temptation because as he was walking on the roof, he sees Bathsheba, a beautiful young woman bathing. And, and he began to ask questions about her and he began to seek after her. He began to lust after her and he ends up sleeping with her. Now, who's going to say no to the king? By culture, you couldn't say no to the king. It could result in death. She might have tried to say no. We really don't know. We just know what happened. So David's second mistake, the first one was that he wasn't in the right place for that season. So he was out of the covering of where he was supposed to be. He was not actually in the safe place. His second mistake was that he followed through on a temptation. Remember, we can always stop. Those thoughts come, but we can always stop. We don't have to put them into action, but he did. We have to remember that God will always provide a way out, but we have to be determined to take it. Whether or not we take it, that choice is ours. And of course, Bathsheba goes and she finds herself pregnant, and here's David's dilemma. As a king, he can do whatever he wants. 
However, he's not just a king. He's God's chosen king. I want each one of us to hear that you're not just a person. You're God's chosen instrument. Okay, that's very, very important because it changes how we view things. You see, David could not afford to do what the other kings were doing because his kingdom was to be different. We cannot afford to do what our culture is doing because our culture is to be the kingdom of heaven. So David, though, he did what most of us would do, and he began scheming because he's trying to cover up his sin. And so therefore, this, this decision, what he and Bathsheba did, sleeping together, her becoming pregnant, it's going to put more people into difficult situations. Because then we have an army commander who gets instructed to send Bathsheba's husband Uriah home. David's logic? Okay, Uriah will sleep with Bathsheba. Everyone will assume the child's him. his. I can wash my hands from this, no big deal. But unlike David, Uriah understood something very, very important. He understood that this particular season was a season of war. He was dedicated and he was focused on successfully navigating that season. So he didn't go home to sleep with his wife, but rather he slept at the palace entrance. Why? Because he understood that the safest place was where he was supposed to be in that season. And he understood the season was a season of war. Therefore, he was to be at war, not in the comforts of home. So he gets sent back to the battlefield. But the thing is, is the military commander, Joab, is given an order to place him on the front lines where he will be killed in battle. And so Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, becomes a casualty war. But the interesting thing is, is in reality, even though he was killed on the front lines of battle, that wasn't what killed him. That was the battle going on. It was David's war on the home front because David wasn't in the right spot that ultimately kills Uriah. So what was happening is David was moving deeper and deeper into sin. He moved from adultery to deception to murder and the darkness was taking a stronger hold. So David's third mistake was actually that he began covering up that sin. And how often are we guilty of that? You see, we have to understand that our sins will find us out. So we might as well, quite honestly, we might as well fess up and get it over with. Repent sooner rather than later. It's a lot less painful. And so the other thing that the other big lesson we can learn is actually from Uriah, who was so devoted to King David that he kept his focus and slept at the palace rather than in the comforts of his home. Are we so devoted to Jesus that we're willing to do what we need to do in a season? Because that's where we're to be. So as we know, David does marry Bathsheba. David and Bathsheba have a son. And David might have thought for a little bit that he'd gotten away with it. And how often do we feel like we've gotten away with something that doesn't align with the word of God? But sometimes I wonder if his quiet, in his quiet moments when it was just him, you know, he had a relationship with God. I have to wonder if he ever wondered what God thought. Was there any regret? We do find out that God didn't ignore what happened. He wouldn't let it hide it. He was so creative. God's so creative. And he loved David so much. He wanted David restored. He knew that David had stepped off the beaten path, that he'd made some bad choices. He'd made some bad decisions. And God was so after David that he was willing to send a prophet named Nathan and to tell David a story. David doesn't catch the stories about him. He's so clueless. And sometimes aren't we clueless with our sin? So David listens to the story and his king, he rises up and he gives out a verdict and declares a death penalty. And it's at that point that Nathan tells David that the story's about him. 
One of the things I love about David is that he didn't try to defend himself. He immediately comes face to face with his heart. He comes out of hiding. He doesn't play the blame game. He specifically states that he sinned. One of the things that I love, we find out in 2 Samuel 12, 13, that even though God sent Nathan, that God had already forgiven David. Oh my gosh, there's such a huge difference between Adam and Eve and David. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. David took responsibility. Each one of them paid a consequence for their sin, but David immediately owned his sin. And it is vital that we all learn to own our sins. So were there consequences? Absolutely, that little baby died. And David actually went through a season where he begged God to save the child. He went without food. He laid on the bare ground. When the baby died and David was told about this little guy's death, he got up from the ground. He washed himself. He put on lotions. He changed his clothes. And he went to the tabernacle. And he worshipped God. You see, David had a different heart. In the moment, in the pain, in the consequence of a sin, he didn't whimper. He worshipped. He worshipped. And I suspect that David worshipped with tears streaming down his face, that he worshipped with the full realization of everything that had been, that the cost, the price that had been paid. One of the questions that we have to ask is when God in his wisdom takes something or someone dear to us away, how do we respond? Do I get angry with God? Do I pout? Do I complain? Do I throw a temper tantrum? Or do I get up and wash, eat, and worship? See, after David worshipped, he went and comforted his wife, and be eventually Bathsheba becomes pregnant again. And, and only God, this is only God, this is a but God moment, because she gives birth to Solomon, and Solomon is the one that later builds the temple for the Lord. You see, God took this ugly situation, he walked David through it, David had a teachable spirit. He was able to be honest before God because he had a relationship with God. We can only be honest before God if we have a relationship with God. His repentance was from the heart level. And God took that heart and he held it so tenderly and he brought healing. And it was from this place that David began to worship. Honestly, the demonic strategy would have been to keep David buried in the shame and deception. And that same strategy is what comes against us. There is always a demonic strategy to steal the worship and to keep us buried in shame and deception. We have to understand that God had chosen David to be king because he, God, had sought a man after his own heart. God's heart is always for openness and honesty. It's always for restoration. It's always for healing. It's always for freedom. God's heart is to have us in intimate fellowship with him. And it's only from this place of intimacy where we can truly worship God, no matter what our circumstances are. And so I have to step back and I have to ask myself some questions. When I step into worship, whether it's my private personal time or whether it's corporate worship, am I really worshiping? Am I, am I heading towards learning to worship in spirit and in truth? Am I learning to pour out my all in worship? Or am I whimpering my way through worship? Am I whining and complaining through worship? Am I checking the box off for worship? Or am I pouring out the fullness of my heart? Am I, can, I, can I come into a place where I worship God just out of my love and my adoration for Him? Not out of trying to get anything. Not out of trying to make things right. But just because He is worthy. I believe that when David walked into worship, 
He just let it all flow. He just let it all flow. He got back on the right path, totally realigned. It began when Nathan confronted him. David immediately took ownership so that when that precious little baby died, he could still get up and get dressed rather than whimpering, rather than going to a pity party. He got up and worshiped. And then he's like, okay, now I take that peace. Now I take that worship and I go and I comfort Bathsheba. I don't leave her out of this. I bring her in. I come alongside her. I comfort her in the grief. I love that connection from, from the, the owning the sin to the contending for that baby's life to, to grieving the child and yet getting up and getting dressed and going to worship and understanding the love of the Father in the midst of the trauma, of the grief, of the bad decisions, coming back and understanding the fullness of who God is. So another question is, can I worship God because he's worthy of all praise, no matter what my situation or what my circumstances are? And that's something that we can find hard. We can find it so hard to worship in the midst of pain and in the midst of grief or in the midst of of um our disappointments. And yet the truth is that we can actually enter into worship because God is worthy of all praise, no matter what our situation, no matter what our circumstances, because we can make a choice. Hear me. We can make a choice to worship God just because of who he is for no other reason, just because of who he is, because we're going to pour out that love for us and because for him, we're going to pour out that love for him on him to him because he's worthy of all praise. And what happens is as we make a choice, what begins as a choice, eventually our feelings catch up. Eventually it becomes a habit and we fall more and more in love with him and we learn to trust him more. So we have to be very aware and very conscious that we cannot afford, you cannot afford, I cannot afford to allow the demonic to steal my praise. Why? Because I was created to worship the one true God. So even in the midst of the difficult situations, even when it feels like we might have been in the wrong place doing the wrong thing and our praise is stolen, even when it feels like the demonic have been successful in their assignment, we can reposition ourselves. We can stop all that. We can enter into a but God moment. And that but God moment can be ushered in as we actually make a choice to worship God because of who he is because of our love for him. And you know, as we worship him just because of who he is, that love and that adoration for him will actually grow. And it's okay for worship to be a choice because you know what? Because of who God is, because of those but God moments that the feelings will catch up. We'll fall more and more in love with him. Our trust in him will grow. And you know what? The next time the demonic come knocking, trying to get us in the wrong place for the wrong season, trying to pull us away from God, trying to make us whimper rather than praise, they're going to find a warrior that is shored up, that is strong, that is standing firm, that is ready to defend the ter territory, that understands the times and the seasons, and that refuses to whimper because there's a roar of worship that has been rising up because of who God is and the faithfulness and the determination to follow God in each and every situation. So don't whimper because it is time to worship. It is time to worship. 
I just want to say to you guys before I log off here that if the, if these podcasts bless you, I would love to have you partner with the ministry. You can go to my website, ruthhendrickson.org, and just scroll down, look for the donate link, and, and just plug into what God's doing. And also, please be sure to share these podcasts and encourage others around. Remember, we're not created to whimper. We are created. You are created. I am created to worship. So let's worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you for listening to The Real Truth with Ruth. If you like what you heard today, please visit ruthhendrickson.org for books, blogs, e-courses, and spiritual growth. You can follow Ruth on Facebook or Instagram at Ruth Hendrickson.